Well, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well despite the, the lovely weather outside. Um, I'm excited to be up here this morning um, and to be a little outside my comfort zone. Um, I'm much more comfortable teaching lesson to the kids. I guess it makes sense why I'm the children's pastor. Um, I, I thought maybe uh, since I am the children's pastor uh, up here preaching, maybe I could add some elements of our lessons to today's service. I figured maybe for worship that we could have done a couple of the kids' worship songs that we normally do. You know, I could have put the videos up on screen and we could have all danced along together to the dance moves that we do. Um, but unfortunately, I was informed that the worship songs had already been picked when I came to suggest that. So maybe next time. Um, although I, I may be a little bit outside my comfort zone up here, it's uh, certainly good for me and I'm excited to be up here um, to talk about something uh, it's really important and something that I am passionate about, investing. Um, some of you might be a little confused as to why a 24-year-old is up here talking about investing or why you'd come to church to hear a sermon titled, Why Invest to Begin With, but I'm not actually up here to talk about the best place to invest your money or to talk about stocks or uh, anything like that. Sorry to disappoint if any of you are looking forward to that. Um, I thought about trying to carry on for a little bit uh, to make you guys think I was up here to talk about money and investing and where you should invest your money, but I decided against it because I know nothing about that, so it wouldn't have worked out very well. Um, but I really am up here to talk about something that is important, though, and, and something that I am passionate about, and something that does involve investing, just not necessarily money. Uh, we're going to continue our Why We Do What We Do series this morning by talking about why we invest in children's ministry and student ministry. And to kind of really get an idea about why we do invest in, in youth, um, I really thought back a lot on my own childhood and my own teenage years, um, and I wanted to just kind of share some of that with you guys so you, know, you guys could get to know me a little bit better, uh, but more so because it serves really as a, a perfect example as why we invest in kids, why we invest in, in teenagers. Um, so years ago, I grew up in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and I grew up with a, a great family. I was certainly certainly blessed with great parents and a, a great family um, who they, they loved me and, and raised me very well, I'd say. Um, however, we were never really involved with, with church. Uh, we definitely weren't a family. Uh, I, you know, I never considered myself growing up in the church. Um, for whatever reason, we just never never got involved. Religion was not really ever a part of, of my childhood. Um, there were a few times when we tried VBS, and I was really shy and awkward as a kid. And I didn't really have much desire to interact with people I didn't know, so naturally VBS didn't really go very well for me. So we tried it a couple times, and I think we normally went for the first couple of days and then gave up after that. And that was really about all of the all the church I got growing up uh, through my childhood, through elementary school. Um, my family just never never got involved, and so I certainly didn't know much about Jesus or, or who who He is. Um, flash forward a couple years, though, when I got into sixth grade, I was still very awkward, um, as a lot of middle schoolers are. But I was also just not outgoing. I was still very shy. And there's a lovely picture of me. In case you needed visual proof that I was awkward as a middle schooler, that is me as a middle schooler. So needless to say, I was really awkward. And of course, I got all the girls in middle school. Um, 
But fortunately, by the time I did get to sixth grade, I you know, wasn't super outgoing, but I had made a core group of, of about four friends. And you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't antisocial by any means in middle school, but you know, I was not outgoing. So I had my four friends, and we were really tight, and that's who I hung out with. And I just didn't really interact much with other people. I just wasn't outgoing. I just had my four friends, and that was about all I needed. Um, I dealt with what a lot of middle school boys deal with, at that age, uh, struggling to find a sense of identity and, and who I was and that kind of thing. Uh, it seemed like everywhere I looked, ki other kids were, were really good at something. They were either an athlete and they were really good at their sport, or they, you know, my friends were all, they were all in the higher level classes, the accelerated classes or the gifted classes, whatever you call it, and they were really smart and good at school. Um, but I never, I never felt like I had the, you know, that one thing that I really identified as. I think as as a as a middle school boy, you know, we, you know, they kind of search for, for for one thing that they either are really good at or one thing that they really like, whether it's you know this, the kind of music that they really like or these shows that they really like, and they just really kind of wrap up their identity in that one thing that they're good at or that they really enjoy. And I always kind of struggled to find that. I did fine in school. Um, I made you know good grades. I had A's and B's all throughout my school career, pretty much. Um, but like I said, all my friends were in the the higher classes, so. I was never really with my friends for classes, so I, I never really identified as like, oh, I'm the, you know, I'm the really smart, uh, smart kid, really good at school. Um, I did did play sports. I played a sport. Uh, I played I played tennis in middle school, um, which I loved. But for those of you who don't know, typically tennis isn't considered to be the cool kids' sport or the popular sport necessarily. Um, but I loved it. I still do love it. I, to like to play as often as I can. Um, but it also didn't help that, for one, that wasn't really the popular sport, but I also wasn't really very good at it either. So naturally, I didn't identify as an athlete because I didn't play. I didn't, you know, I didn't, most of the kids in school that really identify as an athlete play either baseball, basketball, football, or all three, or you know, whatever it is. But I played tennis and wasn't even good at that. Um, but I liked it, so I kept at it. Um, I also was in band. You know, I started playing trumpet at the end of my fifth grade year and played, you know, I was in band all the way through, halfway through high school even. But the thing of it was, was from when I started playing at the end of my fifth grade year to when I stopped my sophomore year of high school, I don't think I really ever got any better. And if you've ever heard a fifth grader play trumpet, it's typically not very good. So you can imagine my frustration. Um, part of that may have had something to do with the fact that I never practiced outside of class. My band teacher used to always get mad at us because on the weekends we were supposed to go home and practice, but every weekend he'd go back and see all of our instruments still in our cubbies the entire weekend. So he'd always get mad at us, so maybe that had something to do with it. But then again, all my friends never practiced at home either, and they were, they were way better than I was, so I just think I'm not very naturally gifted when it comes to music. So I felt like anything, you know, anything I, you know, I tried, or, you know, I was only ever mediocre at, at best. Um, so that, that those combination of things and the fact that I was, you know, still pretty shy, I lacked confidence, this combination of things just made me feel like I couldn't quite figure out, you know, who I was and, you know, what I should do. But at some point during, during sixth grade, one of my, one of my four friends uh, invited me to go to a church's youth group. Now, his family didn't actually grow up in church and they weren't super involved in their church, but his older sister had gone to this youth group, and he always saw that she got to do fun things and go on fun trips and do all these sorts of crazy things. Uh, so he wanted to try it out. 
you know, and I only had those handful of friends, and if they were going to be somewhere, I wanted to be there with them. Uh, so I decided to give it a shot. Uh, the church that we went to at the time had their, their ministries divided into middle school and high school. They met on separate nights. So we showed up at the middle school uh, youth ministry, and I you know, walked in, and I met the, the junior high youth pastor, and right off the bat, I, I just really enjoyed him. He was, you know, went out of his way to meet me and talk with me, and he was funny and, you know, just a fun guy. And we played some fun games that night, and, you know, I enjoyed it. And then later on, we got more of my friends, all three of them, to come to come and join us. Um, and so if my friends were going to be there, and, you know, we played fun games, I liked, the, I liked the youth pastor. He seemed like a fun guy. You know, I kept going. I kept coming back. I enjoyed it. Why not? Um, but over time, you know, after several months and closer to the end of the year, you know, I, I kind of slowly started to actually listen a little bit more when our youth pastor would talk about Jesus and who he is. Uh, I started, started to kind of absorb the information and ask questions and apply the information when we'd talk about it in our small group times after the lesson. Uh, to make a long story short, it was during this time where I came to know Jesus and, and who he is and began to really grow in my relationship with him. And I want to pause my story for a moment and look at a few passages of scripture. Um, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, says, Jesus says this. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. To give a, a little bit of, of background uh, as to what these words Jesus is referring to when he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, you know, he uses this parable here to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is some of Jesus' uh, teachings that encompass a, quite a large chunk of, of core Christian truths and, and morality. Uh, it includes things like, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, has the Lord's Prayer and the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, don't worry, but seek God's kingdom first in all you do. Don't judge others. Do to others what you would have them do to you, uh, and lots more. Um, there's a lot of great stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't want to blow over it like it's not important. There's probably an infinite amount of, of sermons to be preached just from those few chapters that you find the Sermon on the Mount in. Um, but the point is this, is Jesus is telling us that our foundations for our lives should be built on his teaching and obedience to them. Now, I, I am far from any sort of, of handyman. Uh, if my wife was here, she could attest to that. Um, I wish I was better at fixing things or, or building things, putting things together, but it's certainly not my forte. Uh, typically, if I'm fixing or building anything, it normally just means it can be done with duct tape. It takes me a while, really, to even put together, you know, furniture that comes with instructions. Now, mind you, I can typically do it. It probably just takes me longer than it should. Um, the only thing that I was ever really good at building was Lego sets. Let me tell you, I built a lot of Lego sets. That's pretty much all I got for Christmas for you know, a good 12 years of my life. And sometimes I still wish I could put Christmas, you know, put Lego sets on my Christmas list, but I figure I should ask for more, you know, adult things from Santa, but whatever. They say, they say they're kids' toys, but I don't know if I entirely believe that. But I was really good at those. Mind you, they came with step-by-step -step instructions. I could put those together. 
So needless to say, though, I'm you know, not very good at, at building anything. Um, however, even somebody like me knows that if you're building anything, if you're going to build a house, it's really important to have a solid foundation to build on. So building a house or any sort of building is obviously important to have a, a solid foundation. Just about anybody could tell you that. So how much more so is it important then that we build our own lives on a solid foundation? You know, this, this truth became very, very clear to me uh, as I went, went into high school and, and also even into college. Uh, the relationship that I built with Jesus through my middle school youth group continued to grow in, in high school um, and kept my faith strong during hard times and with lots of negative influences around. Uh, most people would say that there's inevitably going to be negative influences when you're in high school. With all, you know, so many different people around, there's always going to be some, some negative influences in your life. But fortunately, because of my, my foundation, I was you know, able to stay, stay pretty solid. Um, it was ultimately what made me decide to go into ministry, and that foundation that I had kept me grounded even on through college when I experienced some of the harder times I've experienced in my, in my life. Uh, but no matter what I was going through, and no matter what kind of negative influences I had around, what kind of mistakes I made, no, no matter what happened, I always came back to and, and leaned on my relationship with Jesus through it all. And that's what we want for our kids and for our youth. We want them, we want to help them to start building that foundation as, as early as possible. Now, if we aren't being an influence in the kids and the teenagers in our community, then there are plenty of other things that certainly will influence them and that they will begin to build their foundations on. Uh, back when I was in Kentucky, a few a few years ago, I worked for a program called AmeriCorps. Uh, I volunteered in a local elementary school. I was there pretty much full week, each school day, full school day. I helped teachers basically with whatever they needed. Most of the time it was pulling a kid out, maybe one-on-one, -on -one, doing some tutoring, or pulling a group of kids out to do some reading with them, uh, whatever it may be. Sometimes it was just making copies for teachers. Uh, but one of the first things I noticed when I first started working with those kids at the elementary school was that they know so much more than I did when I was that age. Uh, they would say things that I would just sit there and think to myself, I didn't even know what that meant until I was in high school. It seemed like most fifth graders and some even, even younger than that had not only phones already, but they also you know, had smartphones. You know, I don't know if I, I thought maybe I'm, I'm starting to get older or something because I'm starting to get to that point where I look back at, at kids and I'm like, wow, when I was a kid, I didn't, you know, or I find myself saying that all the time now. So I was like, wow, when I was a kid, you know, I'd, I didn't have a cell phone until high school. And even then it was a flip phone. But, you know, kids today have phones. A lot of, a lot of kids have phones in, in fifth grade. And not only that, it's, you know, a smartphone that has full access to the Internet and, and social media where they can learn just about anything on the Internet. So kids especially today have plenty of access to any sort of information and tons of things influencing how they think and, and who they become. And I'm sure that if we let them build their foundation of their lives on what they gather from social media and from the internet, that there's a good chance that it won't hold up very well later on in life when things get hard. So we want to start building their foundations early and to do that, Jesus says in verse 24, those who hear these words and put them into practice. Those who hear these words and put them into practice. I wanted to highlight the fact that he says and there. He doesn't, he doesn't say 
to be like the builder who builds on a solid foundation, we need to hear his words. That's not what he says. He says we need to hear his words, and he also says we need to put them into practice to have that solid foundation. We can talk about Jesus and his teachings to kids, to teenagers, to adults, to anybody all day and give lessons or give sermons, but if all we do is hear his words, then that's not enough. When we start to believe and do what Jesus taught, that's how we start building that foundation in our lives. So the question then is, how do we encourage obedience to Jesus' teachings and, and kids? And the answer to that is through relationships. The relationships that we have with kids is what allows us to help them build a strong foundation on Christ. And we teach about what Jesus did and how he wants us to live. But when a kid or a, any person you know, actually experiences a real-life situation and we are able to help guide them through and apply Jesus' teachings, that's when that foundation you know, really, starts to, you know, really starts to form and it becomes real. Because you, you remember people and relationships much more than you'll ever remember a single sermon or a single lesson. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I went to my junior high youth pastor, my senior high youth pastor, even a few college professors, when I needed advice with the situation or I was in, some, you know, in maybe even some sort of crisis, I just needed somebody to talk to. You know, there are so many times through middle school, through high school, even college, when I went to these people, these adults that I, that I trusted, that have invested in me, I went to them in confidence and I, I needed help with you know, either advice or whatever it may be, and they helped me to you know, apply all these things that they've been teaching about who Jesus is, and then they prayed with me and they took that time. But if we're being honest, could I, tell, I, I couldn't tell you one single sermon that my junior high youth pastor preached I know his, his sermons were good, and I remember them being good, and I did learn a lot, but I couldn't tell you like a single even topic specifically that he talked about. And I'm sure we could all probably say, for the most part, the same thing. Not to say that sermons aren't you know, important or lessons aren't important. What we're teaching is very important. But the key is that we remember those relationships that we build with those people, with other people. Those are what really affect us. There were so many times uh, when we broke up, all through middle and high school youth group, we broke out into small groups after the lesson with different adult leaders for our, our small groups. And I can't tell you how many, how many times I you know, was struggling with something that I didn't understand something. And so I asked questions during the small group time. And my leaders helped guide me through this and they helped pray with me or, or whatever it was. And uh, it, it absolutely helped shape who I am now. You know, without my, my youth ministers, um, and the, those adult leaders uh, in my church, I certainly wouldn't be here right now, and I wouldn't be at New Life today. Uh, the fact that those adults, um, much more than just a youth minister, um, other leaders and other adults, they took the time to invest in me as a middle school student, and you saw what I looked like as a middle school student, so that's really saying something. But the fact that they did that, uh, th that's how I got to know Jesus, and that foundation is why completely why I'm here today. And that's why we put so much effort and value into our kids and our, our teenagers so that they can have a strong foundation in Jesus. And that's why it's so important that it isn't just pastors investing spiritually in them either, but parents as, as well as other adults investing in them spiritually. You know, kids, 
Kids don't care if you've been ordained uh, or not, or if you have you know, six degrees, or if you never graduated high school, if you're a doctor, or if you work at McDonald's. You know, whether it's a toddler back there in the nursery, or it's a senior in high school out here in the modular building, uh, they're not going to be too concerned about your qualifications or, or lack thereof. Um, I had so many different small group leaders uh, and youth sponsors over the years through middle and high school um, that meant a lot to me and that, that really, truly helped me. Uh, but I couldn't tell you what any of them did for a living or what their education background was or anything like that. I can just tell you lots of stories about times when they helped me. There are, there's, just, there's no qualifications to developing meaningful relationships with kids besides just showing them that you care. And every, every kid, every teenager, every person, you know, we're all, we're all different. You know, kids, they all have different interests, they all have different passions, and they all connect differently. Uh, I've done a, a decent amount of volunteer children's ministry or, or volunteer um, you know, high school teen ministry. I spent a, a summer doing high school camp ministry for six or seven weeks straight, just hopping from a week of camp to a week of camp, just spending that time uh, investing in the kids that were there at camp. And I can't tell you how many times I found myself really surprised that a certain kid decided to connect with me, and he op ended up opening up with me when it didn't seem like he wanted to connect with, with anybody or open up to anybody else, and I was surprised that for some reason he chose me to open up to. And I've also had plenty of situations where I, I, I've seen a kid and I really wanted to connect with them and get to know them and so that they could open up and you know I could encourage them and you know, I just they seemed to have no interest in, in really talking with me or connecting with me at all. And then a new person comes along and all of a sudden that kid is connecting with them perfectly, really well. You just never you just never know. You know, we're all different. Kids are all different, have different passions, connect differently. And you know, one of us could be that one person that a kid decides to open up to when they won't open up to anybody else. If you spend uh, any amount of time, any amount of time with, with kids or teenagers or anybody you know, younger than you, you you'll, you'll find that we have a lot that we can learn from them as well. It seems like they always wind up teaching us something along the way when we're supposed to be teaching them. Uh, and they certainly seem to be willing to tell you the truth, often in a very blunt fashion, whereas oftentimes maybe other adults are, are too concerned about hurting feelings or something like that uh, to tell the truth. A few weeks ago, probably maybe even a couple months ago, I was back there in the green room uh, teaching, teaching our first through fifth graders during second service. And uh, we always start by doing a little bit of a, a recap or review of what we talked about last week. And inevitably, most weeks, it takes a while for the kids to remember what we talked about last week. Um, but this week was particularly bad. I couldn't get a single peep out of any of them. So I had to kind of coerce them and to, you know give them some hints, help them out a little bit to try and to try and remember. Um, so after after a while, one kid finally said, raised their hand and said, "Oh yeah, we talked about this." And I said, "Yes, there we go, good job." And then immediately after, another kid looked up and said, "Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that didn't make any sense at all." So, which was you know good for, good for me to know if I'm have lessons for kids, it's good for me to make sure that the, the kids it makes sense to the kids. Um, just as a, a disclaimer, so I don't make myself look too bad, that is the only time I've heard that since I've been here. <laughs> but needless to say, it's still good to know. You know, he, he taught me something that day, 
and you know, I took the time to go back and look at the lesson. See, yeah, probably could have done could have done it better. But there's always, you know, kids, teenagers, you always end up learning something from them. You know, regardless of how big of an age gap there may be, um, whether you're with toddlers or you know with seniors in high school, there's always a lot that we can learn from them. First uh, Timothy 4:12 says, Paul says this to Timothy. He says. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul wrote this uh, to Timothy, encouraging, encouraging him to keep teaching and setting an example for others, even though he was much younger than Paul and much younger than others in the church. Um, now, I think it's, it's clear to see that, that Paul saw value in investing in younger people Paul's first time meeting Timothy was in Acts 16 on the start of his second, second missionary journey, and Paul wanted to take Timothy along with them on his journey, um, and Timothy became sort of an apprentice of, of Paul's. Um, in 1 Timothy 1-2, the, the start of the verse, Paul writes, To Timothy, my true son in faith. So clearly Paul valued his relationship with Timothy and viewed him as sort of a, a spiritual father to Timothy. Um, in Romans 16.21, Paul writes at the start of the verse, says, Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you. So Paul took a young man, who's much younger than him, took him in as an apprentice at the start of his journey, invested, him, invested in him over time, and then eventually got to the point where Paul even considered him to be a co-worker. And Timothy ended up having a big effect on the early church. So Paul clearly saw the value in investing in those who are much younger and he knew that that was important, and he knew that Timothy could make a difference no matter how much younger he was. You know, young people can make a difference you know, in the lives of others just as much as any of us can uh, if we invest in them and build that foundation. And I can certainly uh, attest to that. Um, God used me um, in ways I'm really thankful for uh, as I grew up through, through middle school and high school and as my relationship with Christ grew. Um, like I said, my family never never was really involved in church much at all. Um, but as I grew up through middle school and high school, and as I matured in my relationship with Christ, my family saw that. And despite the fact that we were never involved with church at all growing up, uh, you know, even through most of high school, my family, I, I never went to church with my family. Um, my family now, back in Indiana, has been involved with the church plant for at least two or three years, if not longer. And I'm just really thankful for what God has, has used me for um, as a young adult um, in my family. And God can do that same thing in, in any family if we are investing in the kids in our community. You know, sometimes the child or the teenager can be the gateway to change for, for the rest of the family, as it was in my case. But regardless of your age, we want Jesus to be the foundation that your life is built upon. And the earlier that foundation is established, the better. Having that foundation on Christ is, is what got me through all the tough times and it's what, what got me to where I am now. now having youth pastors, uh, small group leaders, and other adults who invested in me as a kid helped me to have a strong foundation on Jesus, and that's what I leaned on through, through all the ups and downs in my life through all the hard times and through all the good times. And that's what we want, it's for every kid to be able to have that as well. And that's why we invest in them. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you. God, thank you for, for this day. 
Uh, we, God, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, Lord. And we just pray that everything that happens here is, uh, is glorifying to you. Um, God, we just pray that you'd help us to see the value in investing in, in relationships, Lord, um, like your son did. God, uh, we just thank you for how good you are to us, Lord. And just pray that uh, as we leave this place, Lord, that you would just, uh, again, help us to, to, value, to value relationships and to value our relationship with you and just keep our foundation on you at all times, Lord. We love you and pray all this in your name. Amen.